Welcome to Witch, the Women in Technology Creative Industries Hub, elevating the voices of women in tech. My name is Bishi, the founder of Witch. In this podcast, I'll be talking to a woman in tech about her life, her journey, her work, and process. In this episode, I'm talking to singer-songwriter and Mimoog lover Lula XYZ, the immigrant girl in a digital world. Please do like, review and subscribe. We're a new podcast and every bit of support helps. Hello, Lula XYZ. Welcome to the Witch Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. It's so lovely to see you. Do you know the last time I was here recording at the Rattle, it was for a Radio 4 documentary called Synth Swooshes and Spawn or something to that effect. <laughs> and we had Lula on as a guest and she said the most amazing thing um, about women in tech. She gave, she, she, she summed up why we are where we are and it gave me and the producer Stephen chills and I'm so happy it made the edit so I will link that in the show notes. Anyway back to you Leela, how are you? <laughs> I'm well, um, yeah I'm curious to remember what I said now. <laughs> oh it's so good. Um, it was all about how, how there are amazing women in tech because of how patriarchal the music industry mm. is. Mm. Uh, that old story, yes. Yeah, and it was so powerful. But in your own words, how would you describe yourself and your practice? Um, I would, in essence, just describe myself as an artist. Um, and my practice is an open one, one of play. Um, I don't believe in monogamy in the arts, and I think that... My job is to be a vessel. And so the stories I tell dictate the medium in which they are best told through. And it isn't unto me to superimpose my skill set to to betray us to to, betray, to portray a story, but more so that I have to expand my skill set to facilitate truly encompassing the ideas of what that story deserves. Um so that's essentially my practice. And that means it's open to interpretation and it changes the definition of what that that means every day depending on what I'm working on. You use a lot of movement in your work so did you train as a dancer? Um, I did study musical theatre in a particularly special school and I don't think I would have studied musical theatre at all because up until even at the interview I was like I don't like musicals and the only musical I would consider doing is The Lion King and as soon as I'd done that I'd retire. However this school was phenomenal in its um, in its approach. It it taught you the art of movement, singing and acting as separate disciplines, like you would if you were a, if you were a dance student. Then what you'd train in dance school, you'd train like that. And it wasn't specific to making sure you developed the skills for a musical. It was just about being a, a full-bodied artist. And they took every every student and kind of helped you identify what your strengths are and develop what your triple threat was going to be. And so upon my graduate, like that's a cliche, musical theatre, triple threat, I sing, dance, act. (laughs) And you're very beautiful, so you're a quadruple threat. (laughs) Just thought I'd add that in there. (laughs) Thank you. But in the end, when I graduated, my thing was I present, I act, and I, I, 
I sing. I'm a singer who can move, not a mover who can sing, which there's a clear distinction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah. So how did you start your transition into using technology in your practice? Well, it kind of started when I was actually at that school, because prior to then, I was at the mercy of any other musician or producer or whatever, having always wanted to play an instrument um, and never quite getting there. Um, while I was studying at this school, actually, I was taking drum lessons and every lunch break I'd be in the rehearsal studio practicing or um, for a number of reasons that I had to stop at one point. But um, I was introduced to garage band, actually. And so I started messing around with like overdubbing vocal harmonies and messing around like warping sounds and starting to do really weird and interesting soundscapes. But then... As I carried on in my practice, I found myself trying to write a song and sometimes the song will end up as a 10-page story and not being one to like inhibit creative process into a particular format. I just let the the moment happen. And I was speaking to a, a, a boyfriend at the time who's a very good friend of mine now and he put me on like the Mimu gloves and he was like, oh, my God, you need these things. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and um, I was like, it's expensive. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I'm not, you know, for some things, I, I I believe it's not to, it's important not to be impulsive. And so a month down the line, I was still thinking about it. And at the time, I, I, was, I wasn't sure how I could incorporate. I wanted something i knew technology would be the facilitator to to enable inhibition free structure free like way of playing a practice or something up until then i had only developed like somewhat in 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 the school that i was training in but it it, it was dependent on like-minded open-minded individuals in the room to approach something without an agenda and an end product mm. just to play and you know like if you're going to have a baby with someone you don't know what your baby's going to look like before you have it you know yeah <laughs> um this is very true so <laughs> i think of making art in the same way especially if you're doing it with other people but that would that didn't seem to be the the norm um the tr the tradition of what people expected was that you come and you do what you do and they do what they do. And in essence, it's supposed to be like a collage of both of your ideas. Whereas I was in, I was more interested in something that was beyond that. And technology, I suppose, helped me find a way to embark on that journey. The thing about the Mimu gloves is they are very complicated to use and to learn. Yep. So you need to learn a program called Glover and Glover talks to Ableton. So you would have had to have transitioned from GarageBand to Ableton. It was the steepest learning curve I have ever had. <laughs> I am um, up until that. I like analog hands-on even in, in terms of play like I like anything physical I'm very tactile um yeah I literally <laughs> I literally after I went to meet the team I went home and up until then actually it was it was evident to me that I needed to upgrade from GarageBand because at the time GarageBand 
couldn't deal with like live vocal processing. It dealt. It was okay with MIDI like VST instruments and stuff, but not if you're recording anything live. And I, I quite at the time I wasn't messing around with MIDI too much. It was mainly like organic sounds that I would I liked manipulating and creating new sounds and stuff. And so up until then, I was my my whole community were like either Pro Tools or Logic. No one recommended Ableton except the the Mimu team. But as soon as I I decided to consider going down that route, I jumped headfirst into learning Garage um, Ableton and Glover. And how did you learn Ableton? Did you teach yourself or? I've watched every YouTube video that's ever existed. (laughs) (laughs) It took me two months, perhaps maybe three, to learn how to record audio in Ableton and to understand the difference between the arrangement view and the scene view because all the videos at the time, I bought Ableton 9.5, I think, and all the videos for beginners were like for the older Ableton, so the interface, I couldn't follow it like for like. So it took me a minute and no one in my community really used Ableton, so I couldn't even really elicit their help. Yeah, because girl, when you understand (laughs) the difference between those two views in Ableton, (laughs) it's literally life changing. Oh my God. (laughs) I think everyone gets to that point where they first open Ableton and it's like, oh my God. (laughs) And then you go, oh, now I get it. Okay, now I get it. This is what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also, like, how amazing that the world of YouTube has just opened things like this up for all of us. Oh, lot. my God. I am. But, like, I, 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 I tell you no lies. The amount of stuff I've, I've learned more from YouTube than I have maybe a classroom for the longest. Right. <laughs> I am a YouTube scholar. <laughs> like, yeah. And you end up, like... The reason, in all honesty, in all honesty, I ended up watching so many YouTube videos on Ableton was like sometimes I just didn't know how to ask the question of what I'm looking for. So you have to watch a million other videos to get to the one that you're trying because you yeah. don't have the vocabulary to ask directly what you need. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's like reading a it's like reading a lot of books to get to one answer. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But I like I love the whole community aspect of it. Like I learned how to MIDI map my sitar into my Ableton push through watching the YouTube tutorials of a comedian. Oh wow. He's a bit like Beardy Man and he's so funny. And it's not only like like this particular guy who's funny. It's all of the comments oh that God. people write underneath. It's it's just it's just really amazing. Otherwise I would just be, you know, I I, I would have been stuck there. That you know, as you were saying, you have to watch a lot to get to the thing that you really need. Mm. But there were some really complicated ass ways of doing it where I would have had to have spent so much money. Hmm. Um, and this comedian just simplify the whole yeah process. with his weird mask on and his weird kind of beardy man song that he made up about <laughs> having no friends you know just <laughs> so funny um, so yeah um, so what was it like the first time you used the Mimu gloves in a performance context <laughs> um, well actually I my first Okay, let me take this out of my bedroom situation was some really low-key open mic spot in Old Street, Session 58, I think, Elina's spot. Um, I just I hit her up and I said, I want to try this thing. And she said, yeah, sure. I went at the end of the night, so there wasn't that many people. And I was just like, <laughs> I think I had mapped out like two sounds. And I improved over it. And 
the whole th- the whole premise behind me doing that was just like, can I get this thing to work outside my bedroom? Because yeah, <laughs> and it was like, oh, it does work. Okay, let me just have fun and freestyle, which is what I where I live anyways in land of freestyle. Um, but yeah, that was it was interesting. So that was low key and no pressure. But the minute I had a, a, a gig, um, that was super scary. Um, because I didn't really have a team. I didn't have, like, the box was on stage with me and my laptop and everything else. So if anything went wrong, I had to figure out how to (laughs) riff and keep the, you know, like, thank God for my acting lessons. (laughs) And, you know, my my teachers would be very proud of my improv (laughs) during that time. Yeah, I hope so. Oh, but, my God, I hope so. Yeah, so especially those times as well. Like, um, Glover's more stable now, but those times, mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Um, yes, I'm really happy in the five years that I've had it that we've, like, helped to get it to be a bit more stable than where, where it is right now because it, it works a million times better than the early days. Yeah, fantastic. So... You were telling me before we started recording that you had just performed at the VNA and that there was a typo in the programme, <laughs> but that this typo is actually working thematically where you're going. Could you tell us a little bit more? Well, up until now, I had been exploring the world of... Um, like, I'm an, I'm a first-generation immigrant. My parents and I came here when I was six um, from Eritrea. And I likened my journey into tech to the migration of us having to leave Eritrea to come here in the sense that in the world of tech, I didn't speak a single tech word language. I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't know the community. I was an anomaly in it. Um, I had to spend everything I had to enter it, which is the truth. And whilst you know, I was quite flippant in how I spoke about how I entered the world of tech and why. Um, it was a necessity. Like I had, as an artist, had a, a practice I was, I don't know, reaching for that didn't exist. And based on my aesthetics, people generally wanted to pigeonhole me into a particular way of practice. And, you know, I'm one, I'm dyslexic. Two, whilst I, you know, for the love of God, I have actually wanted just to fit in <laughs> and speak Tell the language. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I've actually wanted to go out of my way to be different or weird or anything like that. I just, it just, it just, yeah, when I, even when I speak the same language, it's not the same. It's like Bjork thinks she's doing musicals at times when she's doing certain songs. <laughs> she's trying to do pop songs yeah. and her version of pop songs is something else, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's so good. I know, I know. It's yeah. the same for high life as a genre of music. There's specific things. So when you come from a different culture and you're trying to, if you've tried to assimilate, if you've been successful at it, then you're, gr- you know, well done to you. And if you haven't, then you either abandon it or you end up accepting your differences and more so than accepting it, just using it as your superpower. And so, um, so in essence, out of not fitting in in the in the the matrix of the creative matrix that already existed, which had a particular grid, and I I just I couldn't navigate through it. Um, I was forced into exploring a, a world that hadn't existed yet 
and hence the Mimu gloves as opposed to any other technology um, because there's no YouTube videos on how there was no how to you, you do anything on the glove um, and so I, I've gone off on a tangent oh no no oh no it's really <laughs> interesting it's not a tangent at all could you tell us what the typo in the VNA program ah, was it said milligrant uh, digital milligrant 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 girl in a digital world. So it was a play on, I did a TEDx two years ago called um, Immigrant Girl in a Digital World. Um, and so I make the comparisons and the correlations between my time in this new space of tech land and whatever and how that correlates with my mother's original experiences coming into this country, not being able to speak English, not knowing the systems and having to figure it out. Um, and... And so the VNA, it was a typo. However, like <laughs> I had a general good feedback regarding that, but I do remember there is a comment in my, on on my YouTube. Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> where the, the guy said, "Did you actually just say immigrant girl in a digital world?" And at the time, I was like, "Do I have the audacity to say that?" And I was like, "No, actually, I do." One, I was the immigrant, and I do remember not being able to speak English in a classroom and not knowing, and. It feels no different than being in a hackathon, <laughs> being the only black girl in the room, not understanding what any like any of what anyone's saying, but not having an alternative, and therefore, I, you know, I've entered this, so I have to figure it out. Simple things. Yeah, mansplainer. <laughs> so, this is her thing, and this is her title, and she's owning it. So nobody needs to mansplain to you oh, help. What, what you are. <laughs> now, I welcome the challenge. Right. But, Which is cool. For sure. Um, but no, 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 no. Everything I speak of, it's, it's, it's thought about. It's not just... Um, a hashtag it's not an a cool idea I'm not trying to be you know the next the next vice I don't know whatever you know what I mean yeah, it's yeah. not I'm trying to go viral with like whatever this is actually what I there is correlations and we can have a conversation about it um, but yeah so the 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 typo helped me reflect on actually that as a concept anyways um, because it is a millennial migration story, actually. Like when you've come to the first world country and if that's not serving you, where next? Yeah. And so I guess as a millennial, that's the that's the flip on the milligrant. Yeah. I like the word milligrant. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like militant yeah. too. Kind of like I that. also love the way that immigrant girl in a digital world I think that's so beautiful I mean that speaks to me for different reasons I'm second generation British Bengali and there's just a whole mm. psychological situation <laughs> that I deal with every day so um and so it's interesting when I'm hearing people in the same um, generation bracket who are first generation mm. it's like oh god it's like the craziness in my head, but mm. like times ten. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. not not because you're crazy. No. It, it's but it's it's to do with the amount of stuff you're having to, to dissect. Process. Yeah, yeah, and entirely, and yeah, even, <laughs> even I, actually. So the the best compliment I had at the gig was my <laughs> sister, who's older than me. Um, her 
artistic interests are not ab- as um, obscure, uh, you can say, as mine. Um, but her and her friend came to the gig, and their their feedback was like, "Wow, if you d- if I if you weren't my sister, like of course you're my sister, so I'll support whatever you're doing. I'll buy your videos, whatever." Um, but I'd still want to have come to this gig had I not known you. So that was That's a really amazing. that was a beautiful compliment because it just means like my aim was not to to make highbrow art. It's like now I want I want it to be relatable, and 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 it's not just my story. I recognize what stories I'm telling. It's not just my story, and I get why she related to it. And so it felt great to understand that like I'm I'm hitting the nail on the head. Yeah, so touche. <laughs> That's really great. Like. Have, uh, is anyone else in your family like artistic in this way? <laughs> no. Every time I see my mother, she asks. <laughs> I did a BBC documentary last year, and her, you know, I told her about it. Her and her friends watched it, so she was gassed because uh, you know her daughter's on TV. So that's a world that she understands, right? Yeah. Um, but her general question is, <laughs> I'm like, Mom, I got this great job. Great, is it permanent? <laughs> That's like her only ever question now. So, I mean, nobody really understands it. My sister, my other sister asks, um, okay, so how do you pay the bills? So like, what is that you do? Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm only creative. Although my younger sister, I think she does something in graphics now or something. Yeah. Um, but no, 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 I'm definitely the artist in the house yeah the tv and media always help oh absolutely families they love it they (laughs) love it and i find that social media personally social media has really helped because they can all be like oh we think bishy's like a bit famous she's not majorly famous but she's a bit famous so we understand what we think that is. And I'm like, uh, okay, if that's how you want to define it, yeah. then that's fine. Well, I mean, that's amazing. Like, my family's not on social media yet, so I'm kind of impressed. Right? <laughs> yeah. My mum just inherited an iPhone the other day and I'm still te- trying to teach her how to use touchscreen. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Legit. Like, even trying to operate an iPad or, like, trying to operate a smart TV. Yeah. Um, they're still... They're- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it I quite would, cute? Oh, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I like. I make my mum if she asks to, to use my Skype account or whatever. I'm like, here's my phone. This is what you do. Or like on my laptop, and she, you know, she doesn't really understand how to use a touchpad yet. And so <laughs> the cursor is just like, or when she's trying to hang up and she freaks out. It's super cute. Sometimes I secretly record her. Oh. <laughs> but it definitely reminds me of like what I was like with the gloves at the beginning or Ableton. All of that, like it's the same, it's the same story just on a different body or like a different age or yeah. something. It's like, it's cute. I mean, I'm happy I can hold her hand through the journey, but yeah. And yeah. it definitely helps that the like the TV and stuff like that. Like if the community see it, my parents don't quite get it yet. So um, if my mum my watched the documentary, she was like, oh, great, you know, BBC. Like, I know BBC. <laughs> but then if all my aunts and my cousins and everybody call her and like, we just yeah. saw Lula, then she's like, 
Oh, well done, Lula. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Okay, so we all listened to my Radio 4 documentary on Boxing Day together. <laughs> and it was really sweet because she was saying in Bengali on the phone, like, I don't quite understand what it is. It's all these machines and things. Um, but it's really exciting. She's going to be on Radio 4 now, um, which, which was really sweet, it, especially because I think she thought I didn't quite understand what she was saying, but mm. I knew exactly what she was saying. Mm. And all this like, yeah, I, I, don't really, I don't really understand what it is. Is, but we think it's cool anyway, you know. That's amazing. Have your parents come to see you perform yet? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 they, um, my mum's a musician, so I had ah. that. I had a really interesting background um, and a really, and it was wonderful for many reasons. But for all the big gigs, they come and yeah, and, the, and they really love it. And it's been a process for the entire family. It was very difficult when I was younger because I was so headstrong. Um, but I also got very good grades. Mm. So they couldn't really yeah. say anything. And it was just like years of just tension. But I think it, you know, it's an age thing as well. You get to a certain point where if you're lucky enough, you can all club together, mm. you know. So, mm. yeah. So, and I'm. And I'm grateful to them. But yeah, when I teach my mum the i when I taught her the iPad sending an email, she went, Ooh, ooh. <laughs> when when she was touched she touched the screen like she was a bit scared to begin with. Uh-huh. But she has an email address and she sent an email? Yeah, she's on it all the time now. <laughs> Seriously, she's on there on WhatsApp, sending memes, sending prayers. <laughs> sending prayers from oh. sending prayers from Krishna. Like sometimes to the point they're just all of these like devotional videos to the point of like, Mom, I don't have time to look at all of this stuff. <laughs> I love that. I was trying to I was trying to back in the day. Was this before gloves? I don't know. There was a time when I was trying to learn how to create a, a computer game. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to create a game. Um, I think it was called Code Liberation. They would like had an entry point for women to learn how to do um, gaming and stuff. And so I was like, there's a generation gap. Like my nephews, like my parents, they're older now and their English isn't as great as when it was when they first came in and stuff. And my nephews like don't speak Tigrinya at all. And so like whilst they're super young, the age that's not a problem. But as they're getting older, they're not going to have like any meeting of minds really and so I was just like what can because they don't have any games that they can play and so I was like alright let me create a computer game so like all the dialogue in the game will just be in Tigrinya so my parents will understand everything and to the kids it will just sound like interesting sounds and kids don't really pay attention to what's being said on a computer game anyways they just try and figure it out right yeah. so I was like I tried to create a really simple game which subliminally would teach them Tigrinya which is our native tongue wow what? so you're a code sorry you're no, a coder no. as well <laughs> no 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 literally I just created this one game <laughs> no but like but not everyone can do that Lula <laughs> I literally I mean I still I don't know if so, I can still do it now no 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 so let me just unpack this so you you have created an educational video game uh, for your cousins so nephews. that for, for your little nephews so they can learn how to speak to Grinia. Yeah, it, it was literally. That's amazing. It was, <laughs> you well, kept that hidden. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, I have to attribute it to like um, organizations like Code Liberation, who are amazing. I pitched the idea that I wanted to find a game that bridged the gap between these two generations. Um, and that was my solution. 
and they picked it up and they they, they helped me. That they, is extraordinary. I, I loved it. In fact, actually, it it was um it was exhibited at the V&A, and um there was a kid in there, an English boy actually, who he ended up being on it for half an hour. I was super gassed. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it had its glitches and stuff, but he figured out levels in the game I didn't even know existed myself. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, just. I guess it's that immigrant mentality. When you see gaps in the world, you try and work out how you can fill them and find solutions for things, you know? Amen. And so that's essentially, and that's all I meant by like, I don't believe in monogamy in the arts. It's just like, that needs to exist. No one was doing it. And who do I ask to do it? So let me just go and pick up some tools to learn how to do it. And I'll do a, a basic version of it and see. And is this video game on your website? Where can we have a look at it? Oh, no, it's really not actually. Oh, that's a great question. Babe, can you put it up there? I, I will, I promise. <laughs> I realise how much stuff lives on my laptop. It's a, a travesty. Oh I will God, do. You and me. <laughs> <laughs> I was told off yesterday about this. Yes. Um, yes, I will. I will put it up on the website. Fantastic. And are there any projects that you are working on at the moment? So, um, yes. Um, I'd finished an EP last year that was... Um, a three-track EP with one remix, so four tracks. Um, every song on that was uh, written and produced and uh, performed by me on the gloves. So that was like my first experiment. Can I use this tool as an instrument as opposed to just a performance tool? Um, that was really cool. And I, I need to release that. <laughs> and then also... Um, the project with Gaddy, Gaddy Sassoon, who's this phenomenal producer, artist. He's not even a producer, he's just an artist based in Milan. We're just about to finish off a project. Um, but the big project, which all these little snippet ideas funnel into creating, because I've had to work really in a modular way, um, is this show called I'm Migrant. Um and it, it's a multimedia, multi-platform um, piece which takes you on a journey of this girl who feels um, like once she came to the first world country and it didn't serve her, what does she do next? So crippled by the facts of like things back in Eritrea or Ethiopia and her inability to protest and the implications of what it means for her family back home and the idea that privilege when you are in the west you have freedom of speech and stuff and questions about like do you use your privilege is it more you know you is it are you using your privilege to be quiet so that it doesn't cause harm to other people or should you speak even though that has no direct implication for you but you could be have implications for other people all these questions because she wants to do more um that i found to be my story and the story of other people in my community and and then and then what next? Like, does a hashtag facilitate you feeling like you've done something? Clearly not. And so she takes the idea that when the first world country fails you, what next? Well, they're looking into looking to move to space and stuff like that. And how, you know, the cheapest <laughs> seat to Mars, I think, was with Elon Musk, 200,000 pounds or something like that. I mean, 
I think you should bloody give them for free. <laughs> there goes my invitation. <laughs> well, technically, in theory, you could potentially forget two thousand pounds to Mars. Maybe I think you should just go on a, on a on a trip to to Mars and other planets with this this young girl whose name I'm yet to discover. Um, and so, through music and stories and projection and a bunch of other things, we teleport out of Earth into the ether um which is feasible you know quantum physics says that's how we do it um and so that's the bigger project actually that's what i'm working fantastic leader xyz thank you so much for coming on this podcast (laughs) and uh i will link to her website and to her social links in the program notes thank you so much thank you Thank you so much to Lula XYZ for being such a wonderful guest on this episode. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in and subscribing. Thanks to The Rattle for all of their production support. You can find out more about Witch at Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.com forward slash Witch. You can go to Witch.com to find out news and updates and to sign up to our monthly newsletter. Until next time, thanks and goodbye.